you know, if you can't get excited about it, I'm not sure what you can get excited about. I mean, we are we are flesh and blood. We are uh, we are made of uh, the the things that uh, the, that we we all are. Uh, and if you look at the body that each of us inhabit and you say, how can we how can we make this better? How can we fix it when it doesn't work right? And how can we improve health overall? Uh, and do this in a really material way, embracing the physical side. Hi guys, you're listening to Hell of a Business podcast. My name is Sonia Malina and I'm joined in the studio by Jeff Volk, co-founder and CEO of a medical care automation company at Metsis. Good morning. The 90-day Fin program, which started at the beginning of August, brought a number of top experts in the field of technology to Finland with the aim of getting to know Helsinki and the city's buzzing business landscape. So, Jeff... How has Helsinki been treating you so far? Helsinki's treated me fantastically. Uh, be honest, the, the city makes a, a really, really strong first impression. Uh, coming from the States, where things are maybe a, a little bit of uh, hustle and bustle in the Northeast, uh, Helsinki has a nice relaxed pace. And um, I would say that, uh, you know, from the, the environment that we all got used to in the last 24 months, uh, this was a, a really pleasant change for us. Uh, the... Uh, The city's a nice place to be. Greenery, water, uh, the people are extremely friendly in my estimation. Contrary to the Finnish estimation of themselves, I think, sometimes. Uh, but the business climate's also a, a really productive place for us so far and uh, look forward to exploring more. So not only the business field, I heard that you have been exploring something else as well. So I heard you are very fond of eating sushi. (laughs) 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 Have you already made your own list of the best sushi places in Helsinki? Are there any super duper ones? I don't know that I will say necessarily I've whittled it down to a best list, Uh, but the buffet lunch culture is most outstanding (laughs) when you can get uh, really good Food of, of any kind for uh, you know a, a a lunch buffet price and and uh, sit and maybe socialize with some friends over good food. I think it's lovely. So you love buffets, but you also love technology, as far as I've understood. And I I heard also that you made your first computer program when you were just seven years old. Did somebody tell you that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I have my, <laughs> my sources. Yeah. And you started building robots when you were 10 years yeah, old. Okay. What's going yeah. on in there? Uh, you've been talking to people. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> is, is technology your biggest love in life or what? what's going on? It came very naturally. I've always liked building things. And yeah, I uh, started writing computer programs when I was quite small um, and building things. Uh, when I got to university, I decided I should study things that I didn't already know. So I uh, went into uh, economics as a discipline and then came out and have done a number of different things by background. Uh, worked in uh, semiconductors, worked in finance, uh, worked in energy services. Uh, and then uh, originally, the first thing that I did in medical care was work on the finance side of, of the, the field, uh, on doing uh, distributed systems for automated reimbursement processing uh, and claims analysis. Uh, 
basically getting medical institutions paid. Uh, and in the United States, that can be a bit of a challenge compared to uh, what we experience here in Europe. I've uh, heard. I have my sources. Yeah, said. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the uh, the idea for this particular uh, company that uh, that I co-founded a, a number of years ago now uh, was uh, was presented to me by my chief scientist, uh, who's also my father. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what was uh, what was posed to him was a challenge by a critical care nurse uh, who thought that the state of care was not so good, uh, and that the answer was uh, was automation. And he said, you know, do you think that we could automate the, the things that we basically ask people to do in tedious, laborious, error-prone tasks in hospitals that don't work well for the patients and uh, the nurses don't care for and uh, the doctors don't see good results from? And I said, yeah, I think we can. Um, Medical technology is an interesting field. So uh, for me, just to say yes was um, maybe underappreciating the challenges that lie ahead. Uh, but, uh, you know, one foot in front of the other for several years now. And, uh, you know, we've gotten to a good place. We already jumped into today's topic, which will be healthcare, okay, or health tech in, in a more um, precise way. Uh, about health technology is, is actually one of the fastest growing high tech exports here also in Finland. Um, it accounts already for more than half of the country's high-tech exports. Did you know that? I did not yeah. know that. Mm? That's why I come to these podcast recordings, <laughs> so that I can learn things. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not all. I want to continue. Uh, Finland is one of the world's healthiest countries, uh, thanks to our state-of-the-art healthcare system. And uh, my question to you is, is this the reason why, or one of the reasons why you wanted to be part of the 90-day Thin program? It is one of the reasons. In fact, I would say that there's really two that come together in confluence that made uh, Finland interesting to me personally, and, and maybe from the uh, perspective of our company uh, that we continue to find Finland interesting. Uh, one is the reputation for an extremely high uh, standard of care. Uh, across the entire health system, and an emphasis on delivering quality of care. Uh, and the second is the appreciation of and, and uh, relationship to technology. So we are a uh, technology-oriented medical device company. And when you put those two things together, uh, I think you've got uh, a very natural conversation. I think we found a lot of that since I've been here. About you, what are the main th things you are interested in healthcare? Because uh, I think through your company, mm. you're hacking the human system, aren't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we we like to say we're hacking human metabolism, and I, I think there's uh, there's something about that that. You know, if you can't get excited about it, I'm not sure what you can get excited about. I mean, we are we are flesh and blood. We are uh, we are made of uh, the the things that uh, the, that we we all are. Uh, and if you look at the body that each of us inhabit, and you say, how can we how can we make this better? How can we fix it when it doesn't work right? And how can we improve health overall? Uh, and do this in a really material way, embracing the physical side of things. I think, you know, when we talk about um, uh, health technology, there's a temptation uh, to say we have these, uh, you know, 
powerful data sets and we have these phones in our pocket. Can't we solve everything with big data and phones? No, we can't. Um, you know, the, the, those things do have a place, but particularly when you're talking about uh, delivering care for people who um, are maybe in a surgical environment or, or in, uh, an intensive care situation, uh, they've been in an accident, they have a severe infection, uh, maybe they have complications from uh, an existing condition or something like this. Um, these are the patients who need medical technology the most. This is when medical care really counts. Uh, and they're also, the, uh, from an economic standpoint, the patients that are the most uh, costly to the medical care system to deal with. So when we look at this from a society-wide standpoint, uh, the cost of care is important to every society. Uh, and we need to make certain that we've got the, the highest leverage tools in, in, in delivering those things so that we have the scale to care for all the people who need to be cared for, so that we leverage the skill sets of clinicians in the best way possible. Uh, you know, a hospital's most important assets, asset is it's doctors and nurses. Uh, and to make certain that we give those people the best possible tools so that they can provide the best possible care, uh, those are the things that, that motivate us. That, that's what we find really important. Uh, digitalization in healthcare, that's the business you are in, it has evolved massively hmm. yeah. uh, in the last few years. But is it even close to its real potential? No, not at all. What's holding it back? Uh, there, I mean, I think the, the answer is there are some good things um, and there are some uh, some less good things. Uh, medical care is a conservative industry for uh, for very good reason. Uh, for the same reason that uh, you know you uh, you don't want to reboot a plane at 10,000 meters, uh, you need your medical technology just to work. There are some industries that just have a higher risk profile than others. So when we look at again, you know, the consumer electronics that we take for granted in everyday life, the analysis that may bring those to market is a small fraction of the analysis that brings a more sophisticated, um, uh, riskier product to market, as you would see in some other industries. So that's part of it. Uh, part of it is simply that it doesn't have the same level of exposure as some other things. Uh, and maybe case in point is, uh, you know, we deal in uh, medical uh, technology for hospital, uh, for surgery, for ICU. We like to think of ourselves as a critical care automation company. And when I tell people what I do, um, the general response a lot of the time is, oh, that's great. How quickly can we get that technology outside of the hospital? And I think that that's a lot of what drives general thinking. Uh, if you look at uh, the instinct to say, well, all the good things happen outside of the hospital, you orient the technology of the industry away from the hospital but the hospitals where it's needed the most. So the question is, how can we focus technology on the areas of highest need and orient it in a way that solves the problems rather than caters to the mainstream conversation, which is driven by what people experience every day. And fortunately for all of us, uh, hospitals not something that we experience uh, all day, every day. And of course, unless you're a clinician who works in hospital, in which case you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, one of my people, and you know, we we can talk. But uh, you know, I, I think that that's that's something that's maybe underappreciated, or at least was more underappreciated in, until the events of the last uh, year and a half or so, uh, when uh, the need for hospital care at scale suddenly became front page news, and perhaps people have a different awareness and appreciation for it now than they once did. 
We have briefly discussed your your company, Admetsis, mm. uh, where you have developed the f- first fully automated glucose control and continuous blood diagnostic system for hospital care. Whew, what a sentence. <laughs> um, what kind of innovation would you like to be part of in the future? What's in the pipeline or in your wish list or bucket list? Well, a number of things. I mean, we... We do view ourselves as a critical care automation company. So the idea that uh, the most uh, intense areas of, of medical delivery, uh, of care delivery, are people running around performing manual tasks doesn't really pass the eye test. It, it doesn't stand to reason. So if we do... All of these things in industrial automation, you look at a modern warehouse, you look at a modern production facility, and there's technology everywhere. And you go into a hospital uh, and you see uh, people doing things with uh, you know small devices over and over again. Um, and the techniques that are used are 30 years old and, and sometimes older than that. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. The, the, march of techno- the march of civilization has been that of technology. You know, we uh, invented the, you know, the, uh, the, the washing machine. We don't go down to the river and bang our clothes on rocks anymore. Uh, so when we have access to those technologies, it makes sense to move them into the high value environments. And, you know, for me, it's hard to imagine an environment that impacts people more than healthcare. So I think that for us as a company, taking some of those tedious, repetitive tasks, giving them to the machines and giving people their attention back is sort of the the, the underlying motivation for the products that we develop. Uh, and there's a number of them that are in the pipeline now. Uh, the first product on which we have a, a CE marking now uh, is an automated glucose control system. Uh, people think of glucose and they think of diabetes. And of course, that's not wrong at all. It's uh, the, you know, the, the driver in diabetes, but it's also not the end of the story. So in critical care, uh, patients' metabolisms become unstable. Uh, and so even a person who doesn't have a diagnosis of diabetes in a hospital or surgical care environment might have elevated blood glucose. And that affects their their outcomes. Uh, it predisposes them to infection. It increases uh, the rates of various complications that can force them to stay in hospital longer and recover more slowly and maybe uh, inhibit uh, the level of recovery that they experience. Uh, so that's very important. Uh, and of course, uh, low blood sugar can potentially be deadly. So managing this is, is something that uh, is absolutely necessary in critical care and, and uh, other environments in the hospital. Today, we do it manually. And our perspective is that doesn't make sense. This is a place where technology should be applied. Uh, <clears throat> The next idea that comes from this is, okay, in order to do this, you have to measure glucose in the blood. So what else can we measure in the blood? You know, and for us, it's you know lactate, which is an indication of sepsis and, and bloodstream infection, which is incredibly important. You want to make certain you don't have secondary infections in hospitals. Uh, we measure hematocrit. We measure blood temperature. Uh, we measure a number of other things uh, uh, in the laboratory. Those four are the ones that, uh, that um, uh, are in the initial launch product. Um, but... Uh, the uh, the idea that we can take these analytical techniques and, and we can apply them uh, to um, uh, real-time uh, blood monitoring is is really interesting because what you start to do is take what 
once upon a time required a nurse to uh, go draw a blood sample, potentially a relatively large blood sample, and put it through a chemistry analyzer and uh, wait for the result and then deliver that result to a doctor. And the doctor would look at this and say, okay, well, maybe we need to adjust this, that, and the other. Um, but the most frequent you ever got those measurements is maybe every four hours, maybe every six hours. And in between that, you have patient condition changing a lot. So what if you take all of that and you make it a real-time continuous process. You make it happen in the background and you make it happen automatically so that no clinician needs to be involved in the process of taking the blood sample or measuring it. Now you build a real-time computational model of human metabolism. And that's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly interesting too. So um, those are the things that we're doing now um, and we continue to, to, uh, to work on um, evolutionary steps in the product uh, toward more comprehensive metabolic control uh, and automation in, in blood monitoring. Wonderful. I love hearing the passion in your voice when you talk about <laughs> the future, future technology. You know what? We're now... Uh, Moving towards the end, we have the last, actually the most difficult question. Okay. Are you ready? No, probably not, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever the Finnish national sports team, can be any sport, mm -hmm. wins a championship, we have a tradition. From all around Helsinki, people gather to our local market square. Mm. Um, we have... A statue called Havis Amanda mm -hmm. on the square, mm -hmm. and people usually go skinny dipping okay. into the small pool which is surrounding the statue, um, which is, by the way, not recommended. It's a fragile piece of <laughs> art, but I would like to know uh, what would have to happen to you to do the same. <laughs> oh, so what happens to me in Finland to force me to uh, to go skinny dipping like a Finn mm. when the national team wins? Exactly. Hmm. Um, Can't be anything else. Um, something that happens in your life, a very delightful moment. Yeah. Would make so happy that you want to. Yeah. Honestly, I I think. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It depends on how cold it is outside. How, how, how ambitious do I need to be with this? Um, let's say it's a moderately cold day. Um, I, I honestly believe that if we were able to find the clinical collaborations here in Helsinki that would make this a flagship for our launch in Europe, that I would be incredibly excited, and that would be a very, very powerful statement, both by the clinical community here in Finland uh, and uh, in the part of the collaboration with uh, myself and, and our organization as a company. That would make me extremely pleased. And if that means I go skinny dipping in the, uh, the, uh, the traditional uh, Finnish fountain and carefully of the artwork, of course, uh, then I'm all for it. I hope everyone online heard this. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us. Uh, and thanks to everyone who listened to the show. You can find us and subscribe to Hell of a Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your fave podcast apps. That's all, folks, for today. <laughs>